Welcome to the Manx Theatre Podcast. Come on to the theatre. It's been a while, but hello and welcome to episode 14 of the Manx Theatre Podcast with me, Neil Callan. And me, Neil King. Wow. We're back. We're back. Yeah, baby. <laughs> it's been a... It's been an interesting year so far, it hasn't has, it? It has. We've just been listening to our last episode, haven't we? Yeah. And our prediction for 2020 was quite different, wasn't it? We had lots of shows coming up. We did indeed. We sat there and it was way back in February and we reeled off quite a quite a long list yeah. of, of upcoming shows. And <laughs> unfortunately, so far, only two of those shows happened, which was The yeah. Sound of Music and uh, Madfa's One Act Festival in That's February. That's right, yeah. In March even, yes. Yeah. We sadly lost Ghost just before, didn't we? So that we was, did, yeah. yeah. Ghost was literally, it was just about to start Tech Week yeah, when, was, when yeah. the theatre closed. Yeah, so as we say, we've, we've been listening back to some of our old podcasts to try and remind ourselves of uh, how we actually did this. Yes. I still don't know, but we're going to try, aren't we? Yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll give it a whirl. We'll get back to it as, as soon as we can. <laughs> so, this year then, it's it's turning out a bit different to the year that yeah. we expected. Yeah. The slate for 2021 has, has changed so much from, mm-hmm. from when we were yeah. last talking. Originally, the Manx Operatic Society was set to do Sweeney Todd, and they're now doing Priscilla, Queen of the yeah, Desert. they certainly are. Centre stage were due to do Annie in October this year, yes. but that's now gone. That's been moved to 2022. Which seems an awful it long does, way away. yeah. So they're still doing Kinky Boots in 2021. Right, okay. And they've got auditions coming up at the yeah, end of October, yeah. haven't they? Hopefully they're going to be um, October, and that's all, that kind of... Depends on whether the director can get over from Ireland. Of course, yeah. yes. <laughs> yes, because we'll Tony see. Finnegan's down to direct, That's isn't he? That's right, yeah. yeah so, so. Depends I guess depending are. on travel restrictions on the borders, whether Tony yeah. will be able to make it over. And mm-hmm. I guess things are a little bit, uh, as uh, Howard Quayle like to say, things are still fast and fluid at the moment. They are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, yes, yeah, so at the moment as well then, the Douglas Coral Union, they've got auditions open for Shrek. Mm-hmm. And I think Manx Operatic Society have been advertising for Priscilla as well. That's so, right, yeah. So there's there's plenty going on out there now that we're all back able yeah. to get out and see each other again and hug and touch and kiss like us, us lovies like to do. <laughs> we love it, don't we, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think School of Rock obviously got cancelled as well. Yeah, School so. of Rock's got cancelled. Hopefully uh, that's moved to next year. Yes, no, that that's, that has moved through yeah. to to August oh, twenty twenty one. So we'll we'll still get to see that. Right. Whether we'll get all the same kids or not, I don't know because some of them might have grown a bit yeah. too much by then. So <laughs> the voices are broken. Indeed, yes. <laughs> but I think the I think the main lead cast will still be the same. Yeah. So that's that's going to be good so. to see. So I'm looking forward to seeing Lorcan and Mahoney rocking his stuff yeah. out as uh, Jimmy Finn. So that's going to be, be good. Be great. Okay. Yeah. And we've also had a. Recently had a show announcement, haven't we, for the Gaiety? Yes, we have. This is, I think it's CG Productions. They're putting on a production of Calendar Girls in August, which I think runs from the 25th to the 29th. So that's that's good to see that there are some things yeah. coming back in. And I think having had conversations with my wife, Emma, who mm-hmm. also happens to be the head of Villa Gaiety, that there are lots of few, few little productions that are starting to come back in over the rest of the year. So it'll be that's good to see and catch up on those when they when they come along. Yeah, fantastic. It's nice to see. Obviously, it's going to be all local, all kind of... Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's, good. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be an interesting uh, second half of the oh, year. Yeah. Can't be any worse than the first half, yeah, can exactly, it? exactly, yeah. <laughs> we need our shows back, don't we? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, another thing as well, then, that this year, unfortunately, the whole lockdown thing has put a bit of, bit of kibosh on some of the celebrations that were planned for the 120th anniversary of the, the Gaiety Theatre. Mm which is uh, Thursday this coming week. So yeah. that's the 16th of July. I think it is, yeah. 
we had a little conversation the other day. We thought, well, mm-hmm. actually, you know, whilst we're whilst we're in lockdown and whilst we've been shut out of Manx Radio, mm-hmm. I managed to set up a little studio here at home, which is where we're recording now. It's very high tech as well. It is. It? It's, it's we wonderful. Have, we have a mic stand connected to a chair at the moment, but it's it's good. Yeah. Need, <laughs> needs most. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> we'll be better for the next episode. <laughs> so yeah, I thought you know we we need to talk to someone. We need to get them back out there and you know bits of technology in place. I thought well actually. Who better to start with than the head of Villa Gaiety and the arts herself, Emma Callan, my wife? There we go. What a guest. So, should we have a listen? Let's do it. Let's do it. Right then. Well, here is my interview with Emma Callan, the head of the Villa Marina Gaiety Theatre and the Arts. You're listening to the Manx Theatre Podcast. I'm joined today on the Manx Theatre Podcast by Emma Callan, who is the head of the Villa Marina Gaiety Theatre and the Arts. Emma, welcome to the Manx Theatre Podcast. Thank you. This is an odd one for me in all the interviews I've done so far with the Manx Theatre Podcast because Emma is my wife. But being as we've been locked out of Manx Radio for the time being due to the lockdown, uh, we've had to set up shop at home. So who better to interview than than my wife? Well, some people might say that anyway. (laughs) So, Emma, you are the head of Vilmarina Gaiety Theatre and the Arts. What does that entail? It's a really broad remit actually um so the obvious bits are the two venues that are in my job title uh, villa marina and the gaiety theater and, and we we call it these days villa gaiety it's it's one large complex comprising of, of more than two venues actually because when you take into account the villa marina arcade and the various suites we have in the villa marina so the promenade suite and the colonnade suite we're quite a flexible venue we can offer all sorts of different variations on how an event might happen so there's those two venues and then the arts side of it has two sections so I oversee the arts team and and their support of the arts council but also look after the youth arts centre on Kensington Road. Okay so how has the whole lockdown scenario affected things down at the the Gaiety? Obviously it it had to to close back at the end of March which caused the cancellation of, of Ghost uh, but how else has that affected you over the summer period? We have had a really busy lockdown period. Um, ve- well, certain, certainly our, our events team have, because as soon as we were told to close the doors of the venues, we had to quickly get on to rescheduling lots of things. And there were some really imminent things like Ghost and the Guild, of course, which was huge. And then there was lots of UK tours, which... While we could reschedule, they have, some of them, slowly started to cancel their UK tour anyway because the venues in the UK haven't been able to guarantee the dates. And so so we found ourselves sometimes rescheduling things more than once because we found them a new date, but then they can't do that date because the whole tour has to be rescheduled again. So that has kept the events team really really busy and they've done such an amazing job I mean we were all working from home our new box office manager started on the 2nd of March he had about two weeks in the office before we went into lockdown he's learned the majority of his role at home by dealing with refunds and rescheduling tickets and shows so They've just done amazingly. They've kept our communications going and it's meant that coming back to the office two weeks ago, we've got things on. We've got things to look forward to. We did think we'd be closed until October and that's changed. So most of our programme shifted to October and onwards. So between now and then, we're not as busy as, as we'd like to be. 
but that doesn't mean that we've got nothing on. Um, certainly at the theatre, we've got the theatre tours. So we've increased those. They're normally once a week on a Saturday throughout the summer period. But we've changed that to two times a week on a Wednesday and on a Saturday um, while we are going through this summer, especially with a focus on people maybe now having a staycation instead of going away on holiday. And we have been able to announce a couple of other things. So Calendar Girls is on at the Gaiety Theatre at the end of August. And there's some things coming up over the bank holiday at the Ville Marina as well. So we have got things going on. I'd I'd just also like to give a a huge shout out to all the members of Villa Gaiety staff who were redeployed. Um, Because once we shut the venues, of course, a lot of our staff were available to work elsewhere. And they were redeployed to the post office, to Nobles Hospital and to the advice line running out of the Welcome Centre. And they really turned their hand to various different jobs and did an amazing job. And I know that those places that they worked at are so grateful for for having them around. While we have been closed, staff have been doing all sorts of things, not just work for us, but work across government to support all the various things that needed to happen during coronavirus. And uh, this is a special year this year for the, the gate, isn't it? It's the 120th anniversary. That's right. So she's 120 years old in July, but also there's an anniversary, a 20 year anniversary of when the restoration was completed. So the restoration started in the 1980s, really picked up during the 1990s. And on the theatre's 100th birthday, so her centenary in July 2000, the the restoration was, was I say complete. I mean, for a a Victorian theatre, there's always things to be fixed and looked after um, and cherished. And we have specialists who come over every year to make sure that we're doing what we need to. But on the whole, she's still in pretty good shape. And so we are celebrating that. Now, of course, we did have some plans that have had to be rearranged because then we had to close the theatre but we were still running our Gaiety Theatre Memories project which you can see at villagaiety.com and we've invited memories from all anyone it doesn't have to be anyone who's been on stage it can be people who volunteered so maybe you were a friend of the Gaiety or you might have worked there before or just an audience member not even a regular audience member I know for some people growing up they maybe just went to a pantomime once but honestly you walk in there and it I suppose you can get a bit blasé about it sometimes when when you're very used to being in that theatre, but it truly is a palace. And for lots of people who don't go regularly or don't go to any theatre regularly, it it's just that you can see it in their faces. I, in fact, that's one of my favourite things. I love it when especially actors, professional UK actors come over. So they've seen all the theatres, they've been all over the place, but their faces when they walk onto the stage of the gaiety are never, never, they're always amazed. They can't believe what they're looking at because the restoration was so painstakingly thought through and so well supported that we are lucky to have this beautiful theatre that is hard to find in many other places. You're listening to the Manx Theatre Podcast with Neil King and Neil Callan. An event that we thought we might have to cancel um, is a just an, an informal gathering, really, but a celebratory lunch event on the birthday, so on the 16th of July. Um, so we've invited special guests, many of whom were involved in the restoration, 
some of the original committee members in the 1980s who first of all agreed that restoration was the right thing to do. Mervyn Stokes, of course, His Excellency the Lieutenant Governor and Lady Gosney will be attending, as will various ministers and senior managers within the department and also staff. It's a special gathering, really. Um, We are going to be unveiling two new plaques that will be situated in the coffee bar area commemorating those who were involved in the restoration and enabled it to happen and Zoe Cannell who's the Manx bard is writing a poem especially for the occasion now you might not know but on the opening night of the theatre in 1900 a poem was read before the performances of the Telephone Girl or the Corsican Brothers and also the Choral Union I hasten to add the Douglas Choral Union sang the Manx National Anthem on stage on the the opening night of the Gaiety Theatre so uh, we wanted to honour the tradition of a poem and I know that Zoe's been talking to Mervyn and doing some great research so I'm really looking forward to hearing that it's all going to be broadcast live on Manx Radio between 12 and 1 o'clock on Andy Wint's lunchtime programme so that's on Thursday the 16th of July Um, and I'm sure he'll be talking to some of the guests that we have there and hearing some of their memories about the gaiety. So how did you get yourself into this position in the first place? How did you find yourself running the Villa Gaiety? It was never an ambition of mine to to manage venues. At school once I took my GCSE options I wanted to be a nurse and was told that I was not good enough at science and so I had to rethink what I was going to do and I took GCSE drama because I'd been involved in amateur theatre since a really young age because my mum was involved in amateur theatre and that's how I got involved. Um, And I joined the Christine Wilde Theatre School when I was six and so I'd been performing at the Gaiety with the Christine Wilde Theatre School for a long time. So that's really why I took GCSE drama. I didn't at that point think, and one day I will be managing a theatre. <laughs> While I was doing my GCSEs, I thought, oh, I quite like this and maybe it's something I might do. But I was thinking of acting and, and not singing or dancing particularly. I, I wanted to be an actor. And so that's what I went on to do my A-level in theatre studies at Balcomine. And then from there to do a performing arts degree. And that was in Hertfordshire. So when I graduated, we moved into London and I started auditioning, but I didn't get a job. <laughs> and and uh, and it's really hard. And anyone will, you know, anyone who's been through it knows how difficult that is. And and the people who stick on that wheel of audition after audition after audition, I have so much admiration for them because it's so difficult. And I got used to having a regular wage coming in, paying my bills, and I didn't want to give that up. But then I was very fortunate to find a job at the Hackney Empire Theatre, which is also a Frank Matcham theatre, much bigger than the Gaiety. And at the time, not refurbished or restored, had been through similar fortunes like most theatres, turned into a bingo hall, turned into a cinema. But it was a real community theatre. The very first night I went to the Hackney Empire, Harry Hill was on because the Hackney Empire was very well known for its comedians and for starting off comedians' career mm-hmm. careers. And I went. Uh, my job was um, working on the fundraising appeal to restore the theatre. And as I say, it's much bigger than the gaiety. And it was 
packed to the rafters and so well supported by the community. And at the time, Hackney was carrying the name tag of the poorest borough in Europe. I mean, this is way before the 2012 Olympics gentrified Mm -hmm. East London. Mm -hmm. It was a very different culture and community of theatre than I was used to. Uh, But nonetheless, a theatre that was well loved by its community, well loved by the people who put in the hours and hours and hours to work there and work with this really old theatre that desperately needed its restoration so I worked there for a couple of years and then suddenly got very homesick and uh, the first thing I did when I realized that I wanted to come home was ring Mervyn Stokes at the Gaiety I'd been considering doing a postgraduate degree in theatre management but that meant staying in London and also I recognized men probably never coming home Mm -hmm. If I was to be a theatre manager, I thought, ha, ha, ha. Um, So the first thing I did when I decided to come home was ring Mervyn and say, I'm coming home. I've been working at this theatre in Hackney for the last couple of years. I would love it if there was any position at the Gaiety. But of course there wasn't because we're a smaller theatre, a smaller community, certainly didn't operate on the scale that the Hackney Empire did. So I half knew there wouldn't be anything. And when I came home, I joined the civil service and I've, I've been there 19 years now. But I went into HR and really enjoyed that, but immediately searched for any job across government that might incorporate any sort of arts. And I knew there was one. I knew there was an arts development manager position with the Arts Council, but that was it. It was one person yeah. in one position. And so I kind of forgot about it and decided to progress my career in HR. And then lo and behold, the arts development manager position became vacant in 2007. So I applied for that and luckily got it. And then I was there for 11 years and absolutely loved that job. The artistic community on the Isle of Man is really something else. I mean, for a small island, the talent we churn out. And I know we see that in the theatre generation after generation. And we all remark, as we all get older, we remark on the next generation of young talent. And I see, I quite often judge Young Singer of Man. I'm doing it again this year. And you just, it's amazing that these people just keep coming. But you know, it's not just in theatre. It's in all the art forms. And most, most people will know that music on the Isle of Man is just massive. And, and we churn out these amazingly talented musicians and we have some absolutely fabulous teachers who are responsible for promoting that and um, constantly keeping it living and growing and developing but the visual arts as well and and that was my that was the bit I didn't know as much about so um, I had to really learn about the visual and, and the classical arts and I really enjoyed that and in those 11 years we got married, Yay. we had two children, yep. we moved house, and then a couple of years ago I felt ready for a bit of a change, mm-hmm. and this job came along, and it was with some amount of trepidation that I applied, you'll remember that. Yes. I didn't know if I really wanted it. People would laugh and say it's a poison chalice, but I just felt like it was an opportunity that if I didn't go for it now, I might never get the chance to go for it again, and... There's no doubt that I I love those venues, even the Villa Marina. So I, I have an association with the Villa Marina as much as the Gaiety Theatre. I, at age five, 
was in ballroom dancing competitions with my partner in the Royal Hall. Our, our wedding reception was at the Villa Marina. Yes. Uh, so, so I feel just as connected to the villa as I do the gaiety, and and I just think I'm I feel very privileged, very privileged to be in that position, looking after those amazing venues with some amazing staff. And the fact that we're celebrating 120 years and 20 years of restoration, I feel just very, very lucky that I get to be a part of that culture and that history. And it doesn't just cover the villa and the gate as well. You've got the Youth Arts Centre on Kensington Road, haven't you? Yeah, which is an even older building than the Gaiety Theatre. So that was scary. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Once I realised that, because of course you walk into a job like this and you think, okay, Victorian theatre, that's going to take a lot of of time, a lot of my knowledge. I'm going to have to really learn about that. And so as we know, the Gaiety was built in 1900. The Youth Arts Centre was built in um, the late 1800s and was built as an art school it's not exact it wasn't built exactly as it is now that the youth art center as we know it now is is two original buildings combined but Archibald Knox studied and taught at the youth art center as did Norman Sale um many many amazing artists Michael Sandel Brian Neal artists that we have today Chris Killip my dad studied at what was Douglas School of Art Ian Coulson who last year did amazing tours for us around the building during the Heritage Open weekends it has its own amazing history and legacy and such opportunity for a small-scale venue. We're really working on new plans around how we get people interested and involved. I don't, I don't think people really understand the variety of things that happen there and the opportunities that are presented there. The amount of young people who've come through there before they hit the gaiety or joined the Manx operatic or found their way to the choral union, you know, for, for lots of young performers on the Isle of Man, that's where they started. And so that's another place that, again, I feel very lucky that really, you know, we're, me and my team now are just, and you know, it's a cliche when people say we're custodians for the next generation, but yeah. we're just a part of the history of these amazing buildings. Just the next chapter in its lifetime. That's right. And and so that comes with a bit of pressure that um, I've got to make sure I can hand it on in some sort of amazing way when I when the time comes. If you're interested in local musicians and artists, check out our sister podcast, Supergroup, where Neil King talks to Manx songwriters and musicians as they set up their fantasy supergroup. You're listening to the Manx Theatre Podcast. So you said there a little bit earlier that you started off as a performer yourself, so maybe some people wouldn't be quite so aware of that these days, but uh, what was your what was your first ever role? Um, I was four or five, and it was a service players production. So my mum has been a member of the service players since the 1960s, Carol Bairstow. She was Carol Davidson, and and she's one of the best comedy actresses I know. Um, and she knows I think that Um, so anyway um, the play was happiest days of their lives and I don't think mum was in it I think she was doing costume or helping backstage or something I don't really remember the storyline I just know it was set in a school and at the end of act one there was some punchline some gag that there was me and two other children they were both older than me Emma and Richard Cowan and we just had to run on in school uniform I think I had a tennis racket one of them had a hockey stick and that was enough to send the audience into fits of laughter rapturous applause and down came the curtain I don't know what the gag was but how can you fail 
to not want to do that again and again and again when your first experience is a reception like that. So that was the first time I was on stage. Yeah, you run on stage to a round of applause and a huge laugh. I mean, that's that's going to get anyone in, isn't it? Really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so moving on then, what was what was the last or your latest role that you did? Um, it's two years ago now, and it was a role that um, I'd done before. So it was Kate Monster in Avenue Q. We first did Avenue Q on the Isle of Man in 2014 when I was pregnant with our second child. Um, this time around, it was a bit easier because I wasn't carrying a baby around inside. So yeah, Kate Monster in, in 2018, a very hot summer, having your arm inside a really hot puppet during a really hot summer yeah. is a challenge, um, but all worth it. Yes, uh, Damien talked to us about that a few months ago back in the podcast we did in, in February and he was saying about how he'd found it quite difficult actually coming back the second time. Did, did you have the same experience? that you Did you pick it up really easily again the second time or did you sort of feel nervous going back in the second time that you didn't quite remember quite what you did the first time around? No, I think I was just glad to be doing it and not be pregnant. <laughs> so, And also I'm very glad to have that opportunity again because Kate Monster is... A, it's an amazing part, but also it's such a brilliant show. I I really like shows that are not your average, typical, shiny musical theatre. I love a bit of a twist and I love clever lyrics and nuances. And Avenue Q is one, I find it's one of the shows that the more you listen to it, the more clever things you hear, the more you, connections you make between what somebody sang in the first half and how it's repeated in the second half. And it's just, it's not... It's hilarious and it's very rude. People people will know that. And and um, one of the first things I say on stage as Kate Monster is the f bomb. So that that was that was great. I loved doing that. Um, <laughs> but apart from it just being very funny, it is a very clever show and it has some really beautiful music and really gorgeous harmonies. And I was just very glad to be able to get a second chance. So, what over the years has been your favourite role to play? I. To, to be quite honest, I love being in the ensemble. I've done that. I've, I'm not. I'm not really a leading lady. Um, I I was I was a a hoofer for a long time. Um, but I love being part of the ensemble because you get to be in every number. Yeah. Um, you get all the costumes and um, and I just loved it. But um, I really enjoyed being a merry murderess of the Cook County Jail in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a really great show with, so again, brilliant music, brilliant roles for women. Um, but I'd have to say my favourite is Kate Monster. I felt a really, a real affinity with Kate. She wasn't all sweetness and light and she knew what she wanted in life and she went for it. So, uh, yeah, Kate Monster is my favourite role. Great. Okay, so then, what would be your dream role? This is a relatively new discovery for me, but a couple of, a couple of years ago last year, I saw one of the live-streamed National Theatre productions, and it was uh, Follies, and it had Imelda Staunton in one of the lead roles. But, oh, it's just... I love Sondheim. It's a Stephen Sondheim musical, and I really love Sondheim. Again, because I like the unpredictability of the music. It always takes you a bit by surprise. As a performer, Mm -hmm. I know you'll know that singing Sondheim is quite hard and tricky, and so when... Often often far too many words for notes and bars. (laughs) That's right. So as a performer, when you pull it off, that's a massive thing. But also, you know, watching somebody do that apparently effortlessly when 
You know the hard work that's gone into it. I just loved it. And again, it's a, a, a show full of amazing female parts. I really would love to play any of them. But um, the role Imelda Staunton played was Sally Durant. And they are all... Um, they all come to a reunion party. They've all been a Follies girl in their younger days. Mm-hmm. And they all were, in this production, they were all wearing a sash with the year on that they had been a Follies girl. Oh, right. Um, okay. so, so there's a real range of parts and ages. There's a, there's a part for a, an elderly lady, and she has a, an amazing number. So, of course, they all get at least one number each. The two main female parts are just amazing. One of the songs that people will know from Follies is Losing My Mind, Liza Minnelli. Ellie had a big hit with that in probably the 80s but that's that's um that's sung by Sally Durant so I would love to play Sally Durant in Follies okay the next one then this is an interesting one this is what was the part that you were born to play this can be the part that's most like you as you are or the one that you could step into very easily I mean stepping into a role easily now I'm five foot two I'm 44 There are not many female roles in theatre that cater for that. Um, (laughs) So I'm not sure I could pick one of those. However, my... um, I do think the part I was born to play was Kate Monster. Um, For a start, my height doesn't matter. My age doesn't matter. I loved the puppetry aspect of it. I mean, it's physically such hard work. But I just loved the challenge of mastering that. And as I said before, I really identified with elements of Kate's life, uh, not least the very drunken bits. (laughs) (laughs) And I just really enjoyed the journey that she went on. I know that's a bit of a cliche. and, And being able to sing those great songs. I mean, she has just a beautiful song at the end of Act One. And um. Yeah, Kate Kate Monster is 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 part Emma. Okay, so I'm I'm sure with all of the the shows you've done over the years, both with the the Christine Wilde and the Manx Operatic and the summer shows that we've done, I think you've had some probably some very interesting costumes along the way. What has been the best and or possibly the worst costume that you've had to wear? I I've always been quite up for dreadful costumes. I I kind of feel like when I'm on stage, I'm not me. So I'll wear anything because it doesn't feel like it's me wearing something rubbish. I'm playing a part, even in ensemble, I'm playing a part. So so I've never shied away from much, really. I've been blacked up before. (laughs) Um, And yeah, the thing with Christine's shows was they were variety shows. So, So you did loads of different numbers in loads of different costumes. My favourite, having said that, is still Return to the Forbidden Planet. Mm -hmm. Again, I was ensemble, but you had one dress, one wig, and that was it for the whole show. You didn't have, there was no quick changes. There was no thinking, what am I wearing next? You just stayed in that costume the whole time. Um, So that was brilliant. And the worst costume was a pantomime I did when I was, I think I was 14 and it was Snow White and the Seven Dwarves at the Gaiety Theatre and Jeremy Beadle was in it. And there was a there was a dance routine set in what must have been the Wicked Queen's Lair. And there were eight dancers, four professionals and four local girls. That And we rotated. And that costume was a green sequined bikini with a kind of cape attached to it. And it was just... 
hideous and as a 14 year old girl who's very body conscious dancing next to professional dancers in their early 20s that was really hard to pull off that was one of the few times where I felt like it was gonna be hard bluffing my way through that one that was hard okay so the final question then is our gender swap question so which role would you most like to play of the opposite gender this is a really easy one because I've thought about it for years and it would be Judas in Jesus Christ Superstar. So why why Judas then? Why Judas over any other role? It's one of those shows where it, it's called Jesus Christ Superstar, but it's really about Judas. There are other shows like that where the, the, the principal part, actually the show happens around them. It, it's about them and it's about what happens to them but in telling that story it's the characters around them who I think really come to the fore and Jesus Christ Superstar is one of those now we all know Jesus gets some amazing moments um he gets to sing Gethsemane and lots of other brilliant bits but for me Judas steals the show he's the one going through the real emotional struggle and we really see him going through it when he betrays Jesus it's absolutely heartbreaking whether you believe in God or have a faith or not watching a man betray his best friend is just absolutely shattering and then he gets the number of the show at the end the Jesus Christ superstar number um I I, I just think it's just such an amazing part and we've We've seen it recently. Jack Divers did a brilliant, a brilliant rendition of Judas. But the the production you and I were both in, David Artis was mm. Judas, and I also remember Tony Hawks as Judas yeah. many, many, many years ago. And all of those performances have left a real impression on me. We both we've not seen it live, but we've seen Tim Minchin play yes. Judas, and all of them have just found those. They found the struggle. They found the inner struggle and portrayed it so that you believe Judas. Judas loved Jesus, and I'm not talking about in love. He he loved Jesus like like he didn't love anybody else, and yet he betrayed him. And carrying that through, and then singing that amazing song at the end would just be brilliant. Plus, as Judas, you also get the the cracking opening number of Heaven on Their Minds as well. Yeah, so it's basically you start the show with an amazing number and kind of go, follow that, Jesus. And then Jesus tries to follow in it. And at the end, you go, oh, no, I've also got this best number too. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, I think it's uh, Judas. I think, I'm pa- I think I'm probably past it now, though, but it's certainly one that I would love to play myself as well. Okay, one more thing before you go. We've recently set up a Spotify playlist for the Manx Theatre podcast. And we are putting together a list of what we think are the best songs from musicals what would be a song that you would like to add to the playlist mine's not a song it's an overture and it's from west side story which i always think that the star of west side story is not any of the characters it's the score and i had a really hard job choosing a piece of music from West Side Story because they're all so beautiful and so amazing. Um, so that's why I've chosen the overture because you get a little bit of most things within the overture. Of course, you and I saw West Side Story when we went to New York many years ago, pre-children. And um, I just felt it was such a special night watching 
a musical about gangs of New York in New York and the actors playing the sharks was speaking a lot of the dialogue in Spanish but of course we we know the story and we generally know what they're saying so even though you and I don't speak Spanish we knew Mm. exactly what they were saying to each other and it was just such a great night that will always be a very special memory and I just think that West Side Story set the standard for modern musicals today I think Hamilton has just reset the standard but until then for me West Side Story is the ultimate perfect if you want to listen to our Spotify playlist then you can find a link through our Twitter and Facebook accounts that brings us to an end thank you very much Emma for joining us on the podcast today and we'll uh, catch you again soon thank you well, there we go. Thank you to Emma for having a chat with Neil. Probably uh, not what she wants to do on a, a night, isn't it? <laughs> but that was great. Do you know, I was saying this to Emma after I was listening back to it. I said, this is probably the, the least amount of talking I've ever done in any of our interviews. Yeah. <laughs> it's like listen a home time. Yeah. Listen for once. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so there was something very interesting raised in that interview. How come it took 14 episodes to get Emma interviewed on our show? Well, <laughs> it, it, it is interesting because yeah, Emma was one of the names we, we knocked mm. around very, yeah. really early on when we were talking about people who we'd like to get on, on, on the podcast. But yeah. um, I think the main reason is, is childcare. Yeah. <laughs> because obviously whilst we were recording up at Manx Radio, we'd either have to get someone in to look after, after our two kids here at home or they'd have to be muted in yeah. the studio somewhere and <laughs> <laughs> keep them quiet. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the, when, we, when we talked the other night... Uh, Daniel was in bed and Amber was glued to YouTube in the other yeah. room, so that was that was keeping her quiet for a little bit. <laughs> I'm sure we'll get her on again to, if there's any updates about the gaiety. And oh yeah, that, yeah, yeah, we'll we'll get her on plenty, plenty of times in the, yeah. in the future, no doubt. Perfect. So coming up then over the next few episodes, mm. we've got a few ideas of things that we're going to do. We've got yeah. a few people that that are currently home on the island who are normally in London or on yeah. tour. So we're going to try and get a few chats going with, with some of them guys. We're going to try and get a, a, a chat with the guys that are all set up to do Calendar Girls. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so hopefully now we're, we're back up and running. We'll yeah. be back again pretty soon. Yeah, it's amazing how many talented people are stuck here now, isn't it? I hope we can yeah. keep them for a few years. Yes, <laughs> yes. Well, that's one of the things as well is that, that Perry O'Day, mm. he's back because his show in in London is is closed yeah and he is part of an all-island production team for for Shrek because we have Dave Dawson who's directing Mm -hmm. we've got Liz Dixon who's MD yeah and Perry whilst he's here is is choreographing the whole show as well so it'll be interesting to have a chat with him to see how that differs to what he normally does yeah yeah be great yeah great for everyone to have him involved as well wouldn't it indeed So that brings us then to the end of episode 14. Remember to like and follow our Facebook and Instagram pages. And also, we're on Twitter now as well. We are, yeah. Also, as we talked about in the interview with Emma, we've recently set up a new playlist on Spotify. The idea of this is to set up what we think is like an ultimate musical theatre playlist. Now, Neil and I have put together our own personal top 10 songs yes we get 10 choices don't we yes we've put we've put 10 in each just just to get the the, get get the playlist going because who wants to listen to a playlist with three songs that's that's true that's That's not a playlist is it (laughs) so we've each put our own top 10 these are songs that are either ones that we've performed in shows or or shows songs from shows that mean a lot to us or they've had some kind of an impact on us along the way definitely but also 
Emma, having been our first guest after the introduction of our playlist, has also added her own selection there, which we've you've just heard us talk about. So with all the episodes coming up, we will be asking our guests to add their own song yeah. through to our playlist. Brilliant. So you can find the playlist by going on to Spotify. There's also a link on both our Facebook and our Instagram pages that you can click through and it'll take you straight through there. People who know Spotify better than I will will know how you can search for playlists. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if indeed, ask someone about 20. They'll know. Yeah. <laughs> so if you have any events you'd like us to talk about or promote in the future, please contact us through our social media accounts or by email to manxtheatrepodcast at gmail.com. I'm sure there's some events coming up soon that we don't know about yet or if you've got anything planned that's coming up yes i mean i, I guess now that everything's getting back online mm. there'll be uh, people that are pulling events out all over the place that yeah. we, we just have no idea of yeah. just yet let's hope so yeah yeah so all that remains then is for us to say thanks for listening and we hope you join us again next time on the manx theater podcast i've been neil king and i've been neil callan Goodbye. Goodbye. The Manx Theatre Podcast. Taking a look behind the scenes of Manx Theatre. An actor's life for me.